I'm Katie Bennett-Stenton, a senior B2B marketing professional with a real interest in digital transformation, change management, and developing amazing content. I live in Melbourne, Australia with my husband and two mostly delightful children. Having worked in marketing roles in the UK, US, and Australia, I've met many inspiring people and benefited enormously from the power of network and community. In this Katie Talks podcast series, I uncover the stories of influencers sharing their thought-provoking business and leadership insights. My guest today is psychologist Leah Fogarty. Leah's background is really interesting. She's a former elite athlete and works with those involved in sport from the developing to the elite with their mindset and emotion set to sport and life. In more recent times, Leah has moved to working into the corporate world and broadened her professional interest with a variety of government and private sector organisations in a similar manner. And I think this intersection of elite high performance athletes in the corporate world is really interesting. We're going to explore this today. Leah, welcome. Thank you, Katie. It's lovely to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. I've been really looking forward to it. Oh, me too. I think this is going to be such an interesting conversation. So yeah. Leah, before we kick off, we are recording this while we're still in stage four restrictions in Melbourne, though delightfully children have gone back to school, or many, most children have gone back to school this week. What, ha How has COVID impacted your world? Okay. Um, this is an interesting one because I suppose I want to take it on two levels. Most people, I'm assuming, are the same, or maybe even three, personally, professionally, and family-based. And for me personally, just as a, a woman, an individual a human being, you know, surviving this sort of <laughs> yes. prison that we've been in. Yeah. Um, I'm going to use the, the metaphor of a pro surfer. Now, being a, you know, performance sports psychologist, I often do use these sort of examples. And so it's interesting because obviously we've all heard about the waves, the COVID waves that are coming. And so, you know, I am a surfer myself. I love getting out the back there and catching the ultimate wave. I'm no Steph Gilmore, don't get me wrong. <laughs> um, but... I said, you know, I've been saying this to clients and colleagues that I do. I feel like I'm a bit of a pro surfer with these waves of COVID. To give you the, the idea of it, you know, if you're not a, you know, a surfer, you're not a grommet, we paddle out the back. And so my concept is when you are paddling out the back, you just got to keep paddling. And so that's what I, I, I took on board as soon as this um, happened. I had to focus on me. I had to focus on my health and also had to focus on my happiness. And so that's my concept of keep paddling. Mm -hmm. Focus on me, what I can do and how I can feel happy doing it. Now, of course, once you get out the back, you, you pick your wave, you, you, you do all the timing of it and then you pop up and hopefully you get to enjoy the ride or even get in a barrel. And even in this process, I've had a couple of really enjoyable rides and I've even managed to get in a barrel occasionally. <laughs> what I'm talking about there, yeah. simple pleasures. You know, if it's cooking, if it's having um, creative fun times, I've got back to jigsaws, which I used to love as a little girl. Um, and also, fortunately, over this time, I was given a new puppy. We had a puppy delivered. So that's been so beautiful as well to sort of enjoy that barrel of laughs and fun that comes with a new puppy. Sure. I suppose the other side to it is that, um, you know, again, as a surfer, you don't always get the perfect wave. You don't always get the barrel. Sometimes you get barreled. And that's where all the emotions I'm, you know, I've experienced it all as well. The sad and grief concept of missing my loved ones, um, yeah. heightened frustration, irritability with my partner, spending more time together. Mm -hmm. um, and also along the lines of the, the puppy, the disturbed sleep and being fragile with that sort of concept as well. So it's taken its toll. 
and besides taking its toll emotionally, I suppose also I felt at times I've been taken off path. And you know, and when you're a surfer, you know, you can sometimes get taken in a rip where you know it's out of your control. Things seem to be, you know, you need to give into it rather than fight it. And so yeah, there was times there where I've been taken off path. I haven't been my best self, and I haven't lived my best life even during this time. So with all saying all that it probably sounds amazing but you know what it's been bloody exhausting you know I've had to adjust my health routines and I even took time off which I encouraged all my my clients and colleagues to do as well because you know this time has been such a marathon or you know just a constant grind for us and so yeah it has it's been exhausting with all that but coming out of that you know I'm now looking forward to getting back on the beach and enjoying some of the joys that come with freedom and travel and things like that once our restrictions start being eased. So that's me personally as the pro surf, I get into this COVID wave. But professionally, I suppose, um, the joy of my job as a sports psychologist, performance psychologist, I don't just work with um, clients based in Australia. I also work with clients who are based international, um, regional, interstate. And so don't get me wrong, majority of my work though is in Melbourne. And so when all this happened, I had to then sort of swap it to be very much telehealth counselling. But what I'm trying to say is that I was already used to it. So it was quite easy just to adjust. Um, The biggest adjustment though has been more the workshops. You know, when I do group stuff, it's now gone to being online through Zoom and things like that. So That's much harder um, online, isn't it? Isn't it? And mm. especially when I do very interactive and hands-on workshops, you know, we have clubs and teams who, you know, maximum I, I, I like to have normally is about 30 athletes or 30 okay. club members. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, it's not just me standing up there lecturing, it's more collaborative and interactive and moving around the room. And so it has, it's been really hard to do that more online. Um, but that said, it has been great. It's, it's still a, another, you know, dimension now to my um, my life, which I'm trying, or to my work life, I'm trying to sort of get to be a lot more online anyway. So um, it has presented other opportunities and much like this podcast. Um, but also generally, if someone asks me about how have I gone professionally working with my clients, I must say majority of them have coped really well. And I think why I'm going to blow my own trumpet a little bit, why what I put that down to is that we were already doing the work, the hard work, the deep work on their emotional triggers, their demons, the things that were already causing issues in their life. And so, you know, everyone said as soon as COVID hit, it's sort of like put a spotlight or a microscope or fuel on the fire, whichever analogy you want, Mm. to the things that were already issues. And so, again, that's why I feel touch wood majority of my clients they have they've coped really really well through this so it has it's been an interesting time it's been a adapting time but all in all I I love it because it's actually been a growth time well I love the the positivity (laughs) with the way that you that you've talked about that I I also think the um the the pro surfer analogy is is quite a fantastic (laughs) one pretty apt that's right (laughs) someone's approaching we're probably oh. going to get our, get our gid- gidget oh. on. Absolutely. <laughs> Time to embrace some warmer weather, especially here in That's Melbourne. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Leah, back in March, April time when COVID was first knocking Australia about the head, you put together a program for patients to support them in really uncertain times. I'm really keen mm. to hear about that. It was. It was such a time where people were just, 
you know, their minds were being blown of how much our world was, world had changed, how much had been taken away from us, how much we had to um, shift the way we lived our lives. And, you know, over that time I observed and physically like seeing clients, but also online and just hearing in their voices, the pain and the fear and the anger and the sadness. And of course it was also playing out in the media. We yes. were seeing the fear when it all happened with the panic buying. Thank Christ we've got toilet papers back. Oh, um, <laughs> but and, and each wave we've had, we've seen the same transition of, okay, we've gone to panic buying again. If the first wave was toilet paper, the next time I think it was more the um, the freezers, thinking that yeah. we were going to be in lockdown and people will have to, you know, hoard their food and make sure we could long, have longevity to it all. Of course, not just fear, part of fear-based um, action is anger. And then we're seeing like the fights, the supermarket fights, more recently the protests, the pushback that's come with some of these restraints. Um, but mainly it was more I kept seeing in the, the faces of my clients and also the tears coming out of, out of their eyes, the sadness that, it, you know, it's just there was this hollowness that I didn't want to have this life. I want my old life back. And so it was grief. And so with all that going on as a, you know, I call myself an, an emotion scientist um, and that I need to explore the triggers to this and help these people understand why they're feeling this at the time. I had to go back to some of the psychology, their basics of stages of change, um, also Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And when I've done work in the corporate sector on critical incidents, so having worked as an EAP counsellor, you know, with people like Metro Trains where, you know, if there is a, an incident on a train line, we go out there and we sort of do psychological first aid on, on the drivers to make sure they can, you know, have some grounding of the experience that they're going through and also to have that support going forward. And so drawing on those sort of pockets, stages of change, Maslow's hierarchy of needs and the psychological first aid concept, I sort of brought it together to help clients understand the normality, even though yes. this is totally abnormal, what they were experiencing, these emotions were perfectly normal. So, you know, if I just step through this a little bit with you, the first two stages of change with anything that happens in our world, the first one is shock and denial. It's like the whole rabbit in the headlights. Mm -hmm. We, the brain just can't comprehend what's going on. I admit that, you know, when this all started in around March, I was at a function, a, a state league netball function. It was like the, um, the opening of the season. And I was with all these, high, you know, elite athletes and coaches and everyone like that. And I could hear it around the room. And even I was sort of, you know, buying into it a little, a little bit as well. Mm. Everyone just kept saying, oh, this COVID thing, it's just the flu. It's just the yeah. flu. We'll be fine. Yes. Yeah. It's, and it's the, the Aussie mentality. We'll be right, mate. Mm -hmm. Like that sort of thing was really, yeah. really prominent at the start. Yeah. And to me, that's where I, when I've in hindsight looked back, that was shock and denial. We just weren't ready to understand and to even see the images in the other countries which were going sure. through it, so Italy and places like that, yeah. we were just sitting there going, no, we don't want it. We're going to be in shock and denial for a while. But after we get through shock and denial, the next stage of change is resistance. And resistance is where this fear of what's going to happen, I'm scared, I'm frightened, that takes over. And that's where anger is born out of that as well. And, you know, as I said, I mentioned the, the protest. There was other things later in, you know, later down the track as well with people doing the border sneaking, you know, when the, the, yes, the borders yep. were closed, people yep. were trying to still resist yes. the, the concept of, no, you're not going to take my freedom away. I'm going to do what's best for me. So 
putting that on the table for my clients to start with, shock and deny and resistance, I just help, I feel it helped them to understand they weren't going insane. They weren't, you know, a, a freak. They weren't having a, a midlife crisis or a meltdown. They were going through something very perfectly normal with this change that was thrust upon us. We didn't ask for it. It was just what we had to put up with. So when that, they sort of then took a breath and went, okay, cool, we've got this then. How are we going to get through it? That's where I had to then draw on the Maslow's hierarchy of needs concept. And have you heard of that before, Katie? I, I studied quite a bit of Maslow in my master's. Absolutely, Leah. Ah, so the whole safe, safety and security being that if we yeah. if we don't have those basics in our life, we we simply, well, we simply can't function nor um, right. achieve anything else. That's right. I'm sure I you'll love, explain I mean, it much more eloquently. Yeah. <laughs> I always say to people just to, to break it down, it's like a pyramid. And at the bottom of the pyramid is the foundation and our foundation is physical needs. And so when I do introduce Maslow's hierarchy of needs and, how, needs and how it can affect us emotionally, I use the example of being hangry. You know, right now I haven't had lunch, so I'm probably a little bit hangry. What hangry is, it's, a, it's an interesting or it's a humorous word, but hangry is a real phenomenon where our body, when it's deprived of a bare basic need, that is food, it will actually change its biochemistry to make you take notice. So therefore you go and fulfill that need. So of course, when we're hangry, we get irritable, we lash out, you know, we haven't got patience, like all those sort of things. So yes, the bottom of the pyramid is, is the their basic needs of physical, physiological, breathing, eating, sleeping, those sort of things. But then as we go up and you mentioned the second layer, and that's exactly what was really highlighted with the COVID thing is our sense of safety. And that's physical, um, social, and mental safety. And what it is, is certainty, stability, and trust. They're the three keys. And again, when COVID hit, we had no certainty. We oh. had no stability. And there was no trust. This is an invisible enemy. And so we were so second-guessing and we were constantly on high alert and, and things like that. So definitely, I wanted to make sure that when people understand, that's the key one that's really been you know, hinged upon here in our, our world, I wanted to provide my clients then a sense of certainty, a sense of stability, a sense of being able to trust. And that's where this sort of the, the program I created, which is sort of like the five anchors to the COVID storm, it helps them take control of what they can and to be able to trust that and to rely on that. Don't get me wrong, these five anchors don't cure the pandemic. They don't, you know, solve all the major issues that are going on in our world, but at least your personal world can find a little bit of certainty, stability and trust again. Well, uh, and, you know, to that point, we, we can only control our response to what is happening in the world right now, can't we? Exactly that. Yeah. Exactly so that. it's not what, not what happens to it's how we respond. It's yeah, in, yeah, indeed. So that's a lovely segue to the next question that I wanted to ask you, Leah, which was <laughs> to ask you to talk me through the five anchors, please, and why they're so critical. Quite nice how this is flowing, this conversation, because they do, they align to the um, uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So like I said, if, if we know that they're the needs that need to be fulfilled, these anchors are very much directly fulfilling them. Um, and so and I like the concept of anchor. Again, it's not that, you know, it's not from a surfing one. This is more being on the, the water, again, the waves. Mm. But this is a storm and it's a COVID storm. So therefore, we all need an anchor to sort of ground us and to help us through to let the, the, the storm wash over us. So the five anchors, like I said, creating certainty and stability. And this is in an individual basis. So everyone could just 
take these themes and sort of tweak them themselves for their own tailored program. And when I say program, it was more for weekly or daily. Because again, in regards to these circumstances, we were given at the start no endpoint, were we, Katie? It was like Not, we're just no. going into lockdown and we're wait and see. Yeah. And when we don't have that light at the end of the tunnel, that is horrendous for the human brain. Because for us to actually continue and sustain effort, we need to be able to know when that light is coming. And so that's what I tried to try to give my clients at the start was well, if you don't know when that light's coming, let's just say we're working it from week to week. And of course, with restrictions as it started to ease, we then started to having dates. One of the dates is coming up this Sunday, you know, in regards yes. to what we yeah. can rely on is when yeah. Dan Andrews said, this is the, the circumstances until this date, then you work within that time frame. That's all you can do. But working in that time frame, like I said, weekly and daily routine, the five are, and I'll, I'll talk about the anchors and then I'll relate it back to the um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. The first one was, you know, the bare basic needs is the health set. Hmm. The, the three areas I really focused on in every client was their sleep, their food intake and making yes. sure it's nutritious and anti-inflammatory and things like that, and their water intake, mm -hmm. and lastly, their movement, their exercise. And this is just because of the biochemistry. Again, going back to if they're riddled with fear and anger and all this sort of pain, the only way we can calm the body down is actually to address it on a biochemistry basis. And when we sleep well, when we eat, when we exercise, our happy hormones, you know, they balance yeah, out or metabolize yes, the cortisol that's related to the fear. So definitely the, the bottom of the Maslow's um, hierarchy of needs, the physicality, the physiological needs, that's my health set. That was the anchor of health set. Going up to the next one then is the safety. That's the one I called emotion set. And the, the three areas I really focused on there was breathing. And I love this, like the concept of, you know, when we talk about breathing, it's always about the physiology and how our, our breathing slow and deeply helps us, you know, um, regulate our autonomic nervous system by the parasympathetic nervous system and all this stuff, which probably might be a little bit above um, some of the listeners. Yes. But what I really would say to them, it's not about just your physiology. It's about every emotion you have is aligned to your breath. Think about this, Katie. Have you ever been um, uh, you're taking your breath away by something beautiful? Yes. <laughs> I think you might be watching, uh, you might be in awe of something or yeah. your husband does something and it takes your breath away, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Yes, it of does. Of course, if, if, we're, if we're fearful, our breathing changes dramatically, doesn't it? We sort of, you know, gasp for air. It's like we're really, we're, we're wanting to grab all that energy and oxygen in to make sure we can survive. Also, the other emotion of anger, you know, it's the same thing. I think of the bull, you know, when you see the, the bulls that have their the, um, steam or the, the exhalation coming out of their noses, our yes. breath aligns with anger as well. And of course, even with sadness, you know, when we feel that heaviness, that broken heart, that our, sometimes people feel like they can't breathe that they're, they're, they're gasping again for air. So it's not just, our breath isn't just about, you know, the autonomic and, and the nervous system. It's about aligning our breath to every emotion that we have. So breathing is a big one that I focus on with every person I work with, but particularly over this time to, to regulate your emotions, we need to make sure that they were doing regular practice of breathing, but using it at the time when they, they were quite stressed out. The next one though, more addresses like diving to the heart of it this emotion you're feeling what the hell is it and mm -hmm. i use the example of um you know 
a bit of a, a side tangent here, but if anyone's ever been to AA, to Alcoholics Anonymous, or even seen it in movies, you know, they, they sit around in a group and if someone wants to speak, they're asked to, first of all, acknowledge their name and then they say, hi, my name's Leah, I'm an alcoholic. Sure. So they literally name and shame, in a sense, themselves. Mm-hmm. Funnily enough, that's what we're going to do with every emotion we have. We have to name it. Yet it's sometimes really hard to find a name and that's where I help clients you know, with a certain tool and that where we can see the different vocabulary that you can use for the different emotions that we feel. But you need to name it. You need to then feel it in our body because emotion is the language of the body. And so you've got to make sure you're connecting with that. A lot of people live from the neck up, meaning they're not connected to the, their body as much as they need to be. And what does naming the emotion do in terms of helping you deal with it? As soon as you name something, it actually, you know, so your brain is trying to make sense of it. And that means it's just floating around in your headspace in your cerebral capacity. But as soon as you name it, it's like it locks it in. And so if something's just floating around in there, that's actually causing you stress and anxiety. Whereas if you can name it, it's like suddenly then I can start making sense of it. And if I can make sense of it, I can problem solve it. So it does, it decreases your anxiety straight away. But besides naming it, like I said, it's more the most important thing. And particularly for people, if this is not their first trauma, and I'm sure that everyone can relate to that, this is not the first oh. big thing they've dealt with in their life. Yeah. So <laughs> when we go through trauma, our body actually responds. Why? Because when we were young little kids, our brain couldn't make sense of things. It couldn't name things. But our body remembers it. It actually imprinted it in ourselves. And so that's why when we go through future events, it's like we relive some of this old pain and old trauma. And so feeling it, it is. You've got to be in tune with your body and listen to your body more. Why? Because if you listen to it, you know exactly how to release it. If someone came to me and says, God, when I get angry, my, my hands are so tense. What, would, what do you reckon Chaotic encourage them to do to release that anger then if their hands are tense, they're, they're clenched like a fist? Hmm. Okay, you're putting me on the spot. I wouldn't <laughs> think we're either asking them whether they're conscious of something previous having happened to them that's triggering it or to True. focus on what their hands are doing and to yes. perhaps do some very mindful exercises to change what's happening. Mindful exercises like what? Think about the hands. What? So think about when we're um, clenching and beautiful yeah yeah okay well well done because well done you get a a gold star (laughs) as emotion education think about the word emotion actually let's start with that emotion is emotion and what that breaks down to be is energy in motion Mm. so sit on that for a second so every emotion is just energy in motion we don't want it to be trapped in your body that's why the power of release is so amazing how good does it feel after you have a really good cry even though in the heart of it, you're, you're, you know, in the, in the middle of it, your heart is broken, you're in so much pain, that as soon as you lighten that load, you actually feel better. And that's because that energy, the trauma energy, has moved out of your system in some way. It's like the body metabolizes it. So releasing, going back to what I was saying about the hands, though, punch. I love it how you said shake or like squeeze. It's the same thing, isn't it? As if, if it's located in your hands, we're going to do something yeah. with your hands then to release that energy from it. And again, that's where people, they don't, they don't have that simple equation, name, feel and release. And instead they say to me, oh, yeah, when I'm angry, I'll, I'll go do um, a workout. 
Yes. I'm like, okay, so yes. what sort of workout do you do? I go running. But you're feeling your anger in your throat. So how is that running helping your throat release its energy? So see how it's misaligned? And so that's what we need to do is name the emotion. Where do I feel it in my body? And then wherever I feel it in my body, I use the appropriate strategy to release it. Okay. Those endorphins from a run do make everything better. Yeah. Oh, they do. <laughs> Don't get wrong. And this is where to go along to the third one then in regards to my emotion set. The first one was breathing. The second one was name, feel and release. During this time, it's true, I've encouraged so many people to get out there and go running. And when I say yes. get out there, the opportunities that we have with our hour window or two-hour window now, get yeah. outside because the, the connection with nature, being in the sun, like a day like today, we need to get out there and make sure we're getting the vitamin D to make sure our melatonin levels and all our circadian rhythm and everything else is aligned to sleep better. But also, you know, it was really hard, wasn't it, for us to get outside, you know, two, three months ago because it was a, the peak of winter. Yes. And so one, yeah. there wasn't daylight savings. Two, it was cold and raining. And so that's why I was then encouraging people to realise that if you can't get out to get your nature fix, you need to bring it indoors. And that's where it was, it's quite interesting. I gave that suggestion to one of my clients and what I'm talking about there is indoor plants. And funny enough, she had already had the idea that she wanted to start an indoor plant business. <laughs> and so that's what she's run with during this time. She's adapted and pivoted, is that magic word that, that we've all heard. magic word we're hearing. <laughs> but she has she's one with that and it's so beautiful to know that you know from my encouragement of just for her own mental health and well-being this is something she's now providing for others this whole beautifying and naturing the inside in indoors to help us with our mental health that's and that's right sorry please yeah. and just and just one more thing I wanted to add to that as well because I, I just came to me then as well the other one was music you know, at times when we were trapped inside during winter, I was getting a lot of my clients to really go through their playlists, you know, um, find, create new playlists, which were aligned to what they were feeling at the time. And the reason for that, the power of music, it's amazing besides the um, dopamine release and, thing and oxytocin release that comes with hearing it. But neuropsychology has now found that music affects every part of our brain, every part of our brain, which is astounding. So the left hemisphere, right hemisphere, the midbrain, the brainstem, all of them in some way get triggered through music. So it, that's why it's so emotional, but it can actually set off and trigger emotions. Mm. It can help you make sense of things. It can help you feel calm. So the power of music, and this is nothing new. You think sure. of all the tribes way back when, they were using all this, you know, the rhythm of, of drums and things like that to help with life. But I was. So besides saying get outside, get into nature or bring it inside, have music around you to help regulate that emotion. That's Any awesome. questions on that one? Because I'll, I'll go on to the no, third. No, keep, no, keep, like. keep, keep going. But I, I, um, I, well, just interesting to note the, the bringing nature indoors. I see, mm. I have seen on social media a huge, what has felt like to me, explosion of, of advertising for, mm. for indoor plants. I mean, we, we already yeah. have a lot in our house, but um, I'm, yeah. I'm looking at four, no, five new ones in the room I'm in at the moment that, that we got <laughs> six months ago. <laughs> Good. And, and, and this is not just our personal lives. I can, I was having a conversation with another colleague the other day 
it will be very interesting to see what offices are going to be like when we return because little things like this was that's something not new as well architects have always have already been trying to incorporate a lot of indoor plants and things like that into the environment in office space but you know thinking about hygiene thinking about not touching things all this is going to change in our work life when we go back to our normal offices I went to I went and gave blood the other day and you know it's the concept of you go into the toilets you wash your hands and then as you're walking out which you've got clean hands you have to grab the actual yes. doorknob to open the door well and purpose, wasn't it? it it does and you know these nine months ago these were not ever yeah. things that were concepts that were in my brain <laughs> that's right and now they are front and center because it's a sense of safety Indeed. Yeah. We need to trust our environment. But, you know, there is there's so many things now where it's going to be automated. Our life is going to be very automated when we go back to office spaces. Yeah. Opening yeah. doors. It's already, it's already started, hasn't it, in regards to the um, hand sensors for drying your hands, washing your hands, all that yes. sort of stuff. But it's going to be even more. We yeah. will not be touching surfaces that much going forward. No, no we won't. <laughs> we won't. <laughs> uh, but talking about going... But talking about going back to the offices, this sort of a nice little join up to my third anchor then. The third anchor is our heart set, which the third layer of Maslow's hierarchy of needs is social connection. Mm. And so many people's hearts have been longing for, you know, just sitting in the room with someone. Not just, not, we're not even going to touch yet, but just sitting in a room and sharing space with someone. I thankfully have, you know, started graduating clients back to my offices and so many people are just using it as an excuse to come and see me because they they have been void of human contact of human yes. connection face yes. to face yeah so it you know credit to everyone though at the start of it yes we all said we still need to love and be loved during this time and that's where we had to be creative you know things like house party came out where we could still have fun and games with with the loved ones yeah, you know, finding different ways to reach out to people through video calls or even dropping food around, um, you know, uh, send, sending Uber Eats around to people that you love, like all these sort of things and celebration, yes. you know, birthdays yes. and things that have transpired. We've all had to get creative. But at the heart of it, I mean, I love that phrase, at the heart of it all is love. And mm. we all want to love and be loved. And this time has been really trying for us. But I have I've helped a lot of clients find ways to still have that connection. Another connection, though, with your heart set is just playing and laughter, you know, tapping into your inner child and connecting with them a, a bit. And I mentioned at the start, that's where I've connected back to my jigsaws. Sure. Um, other people have found different ways to actually be a kid again if they're having dance parties at home with the family, dress up, like yes. all that sort of stuff. So that was another thing of making sure your heart, it has these things to look forward to where there's a sense of play and fun and lightness to life. But the last one with the heart sets also our passion. So not just connecting with others and connecting with that inner child, but connecting with what makes you, you know, glow. What are things that you are into, which over this time, people have gone, oh, well, I can't do that. I have to put it on pause. But again, no, if you're passionate about something, you just have to find a different how. Yeah. So an example would be, you know, I, I love, um, I mentioned surfing and things like that. So in regards to a lot of the sports, you know, this is where the online um, streaming has gone nuts in regards to um, KO and things like that. Mm. My partner and I have had this massive schedule of all the different sporting events that we were 
scheduling in to make sure we still wash because it's our passion. It's a part of what we love doing. And if you can't yes. do it at that time, yep. you bring it in the house and just find a different way to still sure. be a part of it. Sure. So it is, and the thing is, if we lose that passion, passion is our sort of life source, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Breath yeah. Is, breath, breath is our life energy and our heart is our, our pump of life, but definitely the passion for life. And that's where, especially the longer this lockdown goes, the passion in people is being zapped out of them and the apathy yeah. is taking over. Yes. Where they don't feel any joy or excitement anymore. Mm. Mm-hmm. So we do. We, we just don't. Again, it's, it's how we respond. I love this thing about life. If it's music, if it's sports, if it's um, arts and crafts, whatever it is, if it's racing, car racing, I've got a mm. client who's a drift driver. And so I've made or helped him create projects for himself which are around the concept of drift driving, even though he can't actually do it right now. So again, okay. don't don't give up on your passions all because your environment's changed. You just have to change the way you approach it. Some lateral thinking so necessary. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's the third anchor. Fourth anchor is mindset. You know, this is the whole between the ears. Give myself a little mm-hmm. plug there, the, my business name. <laughs> the <laughs> mindset approach relates to Maslow's hierarchy of needs of esteem, of how we feel about ourselves, how we rely on ourselves and how what status we have in life and this is where I instead of just saying you know okay if you're a corporate I want to make sure you're still hitting your KPIs or you're still focused on that promotion or whatever it may be some sort of growth upskilling yes that's part of it but I wanted to bring it back to basics and that is mindfulness and gratitude that in in regards to our work life we had to take it day by day we had to take it one task at a time Mm, yes Um, our mind is a time traveler it loves to be a clairvoyant and try to go forward and predict. And it also likes to go back to the future mm-hmm. <laughs> in regards to, you know, back to the past and see what happened and sort of hang on to that. But in a, in a time like this, we need to be in the present moment. We need to be focusing on the here and now and looking at the goodness that comes with it. And that's the second part, the gratitude. Yes. But even in the, the most basic of days, if you can see some beauty, some um, wonder, some joy then that's going to help your whole system it's going to help your whole you know the whole your whole being so definitely even though like I said I was still focusing people on you know how are they growing where's their mindset in um, opportunities and making sure you're thriving not just surviving through this time like I said when we really think about your mindset through it mindfulness and gratitude for the two go-tos well and I have to tell you over many family dinners over the last seven months my my kids have given um, me many eyes to heaven when I ask at the end of each day okay well remember we've got this to be grateful for what what are our yes. top three today um, but it yes. does I mean it it it's been it's been very central to maintaining some some sense of calm and you know keeping anxiety at bay through this last seven months definitely and again this is not not something new you know the concept of gratitude and you know you can think back to any religion you know that's where praying and things like that comes into it as well it's just you being able to take stock and see the goodness that is around you but exactly that there's been so many you know psychological studies about the biochemistry and how the happy hormones that are released in relation to it how your brain changes your amygdala, which is your security guard in your brain, will actually quieten down but also potentially shrink over time when you do mindfulness, meditation, gratitude on a regular basis. So I love it how you've been doing it as a family practice. I love it. And what was your phrase? That the 
get that. Oh, I get the eyes to heaven, the the rolling of the eyes. The roll of the eyes. I like that phrase. (laughs) (laughs) That's very good. Uh, So that's the fourth anchor. And just to finish off on the fifth anchor, which is a little bit more um, deeper rather than just being the the bare basic needs, we're now getting to the the tipping, the the, the ice, what's the the point? The pointy end of the Maslow's hierarchy needs and that's self-actualization of fulfillment. And I have, you know, the the phrase clarity of purpose. I've, I've loved it for the last 10 years of my life to the point that I've got it tattooed on my body because clarity of purpose is our guiding light. It is the reason why we were born, the reason why we're on this earth, and that is to find your gifts and to make a difference. And everyone's difference is going to be of different size, isn't it? Someone like a Steve yeah. Jobs or a Bill Gates, you know, their difference is massive. Yes. Whereas a mother who knows that she was born to just be a mum, shouldn't be say just, she was born to be a mother, Yes. then that's yep. her clarity of purpose, isn't it? Yep. And as long as she yep. goes out and fulfills that and she makes a difference in her family, her life is fulfilled. Mm-hmm. So clarity of purpose is one of the, the key ones that I always, whenever I start working with anyone, I would you know run through that with them. So what the clarity of purpose I break it down to is the first of all is what do you want to do, achieve or feel? It's okay. the what. Mm-hmm. The second part is the why. Why do you want to do that? What's the deeper, you know, anchor or, or core or root that's aligned to it? Because that's the substance. When we have substance behind these things that we want, we will be more motivated. We will be more disciplined. We will actually make it happen. Sure. There has to be a strong why. You know, and the likes of Simon Sinek, you know, so yeah. some of your listeners might be aware of him. He's such a massive, you know, leadership guru and things like that. I love his work. That's and right. he is. He's the, the why master. Um but with it, when we're thinking about then COVID and clarity of purpose, your what shouldn't have really changed, should it? What you want no, to do, what you no. want to achieve or what you want to feel, they should still have been rock solid. Your should. why shouldn't have changed that much either because that's something that was already it's ingrained and it will stay constant till the day you die potentially. The yes. only thing around your clarity of purpose that should have changed over this time is your how. And that's yeah. what I was saying about your passions. You just had to find another way of doing it, a different how. You can still do it. You get creative and you adapt. So, you know, this is where it was awesome at the start of it all. Online learning, online work, online training for all my athletes. Like all that stuff just kept coming out. It just was spilling out to make sure people could still do the things that they wanted to do, what they want to achieve, and and hopefully as well tapping into the why. And that's where connecting it back to a lot of the athletes. I mean, with the Olympics being um, moved to next year, Mm. Even that's, you know, doubtful at the moment as well, looking at the state of the world. Yes. Um, but but that's where I, with a lot of them who I've got some athletes who, you know, they're swimmers who are just about to finish their careers. And so we had to really sit down and, and do some, you know, soul searching of the, the what, the why and the how, and particularly the why, because for them, maybe it's not worth it. Maybe the why is not strong enough anymore. And so therefore mm. they will give in to these circumstances and, and end their career now. Others have shifted. I've got one athlete who she's an um, elite basketballer in the Opal squad, and she's now shifted and been drafted to um, the AFLW with Richmond. And so she's now, as I, call, as I said to her the other day in a session, you've now got two boyfriends. You're not holding two hands. So you're going to make sure <laughs> both those boyfriends are aware of each other so no one feels like they're being cheated on or anyone's being unfaithful. So, and for her though, that's been massive. It's been a childhood dream to be in, part of AFLW. 
yet she went into basketball because the opportunities weren't there obviously in the early years. Yeah. She's gone and become this elite basketballer and yet now because of the state of the world and the prospect of not her being able to go to Olympics, it's like, well, maybe I should shift gears to more of a national tournament, national competition, and that's where the AFLW came knocking on her door and she took it up. And funnily enough, she is actually a Tigers supporter. She's a Tigers fan. Oh, so really? Oh. She's living a, living a dream. Well, we won't <laughs> hold that against her. <laughs> that's, a, exactly. that's, a, that's a pretty fantastic story. Leah, you're yeah, a former elite athlete. What do you bring from that background to your work now? Yeah, this is, a, this is interesting. I love whenever I um, go out and do my workshops the very first time someone's not familiar with me. I do. I try to give them a bit of a, a background of my own um, athletic ways. And I always explain to them, you know, it's, it's, it's twofold. It gives you an understanding of why I became a performance psychologist, but it also makes you understand why, my, why I didn't achieve what I wanted to achieve. I was that fiery defender on the netball court, Katie. I was the one who was, you know, yelling at the umpire or in the car on the way home with my mum just, you know, ranting and raving. I was even a, a softballer who would throw the bat and sometimes just miss really? fellow teammates. Yeah. <laughs> I was that fiery one. And there's a, a couple of things behind that. I'm Irish, hence Fogarty. I'm uh, a Leo. I'm a, a former perfectionist. Like all these things led yeah. to me being this fiery, fiery, you know, animal when it came to <laughs> sport. And so the thing was, I had a very quick wake up call where I got told that because of my emotional state on the court, I probably wouldn't actually achieve my dreams. I wouldn't make it to the Australian level. I made it to, to uh, representing WA, but I never made it any further. And so me being an emotional defender, I've had that experience myself of where you're consumed, where you're totally overridden by your biochemistry and everything going on in your body, where it takes you off path and it makes you be someone you're not proud of and mm -hmm. ultimately not achieve the dreams that you have for yourself. So that's the first thing. And you know, that's where I, I give everyone hope out there that I was a reformed, you know, crazy person on the court than anyone else can be as well. Just work with me and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll make you become Zen monk like. Nothing like but, a bit of humility. <laughs> that's right, exactly that. But it, it also, it does, it gives me credibility, doesn't it, to make people aware yep, I'm coming absolutely. from a place, place of lived experience. Yes. So other than that, the other thing I love about sport and, you know, it's a very holistic approach that you take when you're working in the sport, sporting environment. It's not just about this athlete who's a body, which is, I call that a vehicle. Mm. It's about their mind and that's the driver, isn't it? And that's where yeah. I come into it. But it's yeah. also about their heart and their passion and the fuel that they have for this sport. And so it's very holistic. And, you know, that's where we have support teams where nutritionists, a nutritionist, a osteo, a um, Cairo, like we've got a whole gamut of different people who are contributing to this one person, really, or this one team. Different and so that's, really. yeah. yeah, and that's where a lot of the time that's totally forgotten. I used the example the other day to someone that, you know, if you do go to the doctor and you have a sore stomach, then they'll send you to the stomach specialist, won't they? But they won't actually then look at all everything else that's attached to the stomach in the system to see how it's all. <laughs> being affected oh. the head is directly in connection with the body so we're going to make sure the body and the mind are in concert with each other but a lot of the times that's not again it's not given the attention it deserves so it is it's a very holistic approach because of my experience as a netballer and all the different professionals I was exposed to that's the way I approach my personal life but I approach my professional life as well with all my my athletes and, and clients
and that's where I have oh. my own support network if it's naturopaths and, and um, dietitians and um, sure. chiros and people like that who I can refer clients to. It is, it's a team approach, the dream team approach, as I sometimes like calling it. <laughs> and then the only other thing I, which comes to mind when I think about me as a former athlete, it's, you know, when I have a client come to me now, I say to them, you might be familiar with psychologists because of what you've seen on TV or in the movies or, you know, talk therapy, that you just go there and you talk for an hour and then you leave. And yeah. You don't, you don't get given tools. You don't yeah. get given education. You yeah. just go and vent. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not then saying psychotherapy and talk therapy um, doesn't work. It certainly does. But my approach is very different. I'm very solution and action focused. So, yeah. and again, this goes back to me being an athlete. It's not like, don't just tell me something. Tell me what I need to do mm. so that I can put things in place to see the results and get better. Yes. So, yep. I, you know, to the element of one of my points of difference as a psychologist, if you come and work with me, I then send you an email after the session and it literally outlines what education I provided you and what your strategies are until I see you next. And so I hold you accountable. Therapy to me does not happen in that hour session. It happens out in the real world. You're I, putting things in place to make yeah. a difference. Yep. I, I couldn't agree more with you. I'm a massive fan of psychology and I think the, the psychologist I have seen from time to time I think yeah. must find me slightly amusing I'll turn up with a, a post-it note with several points I want to cover and oh, we'll it. take notes through the session so that I remember because it makes it. perfect sense while yeah. we're talking but as you yeah. say it's it's coming out afterwards and what were what were the salient points what is it that yeah. I need to be changing evolving doing that's differently right. and and that's, that's right. yeah that's that's what is the most impactful for me I'll give you a heads up as well that I love it. I love a client like yourself who comes and says, this is what I'm, I wanted to deal with me today because you are, you're the driver. You need to drive our yeah. sessions of where yes. we're going. I'll, otherwise, I'll have a beautiful conversation with you and explore different pockets. But if you're not getting out of the session what you want, then I'm not doing my job. Yeah. But I'm going to give you a heads up there, Katie. Next time you go then, actually send them an email beforehand with an oh. outline of what you want to cover. I oh. love those clients because it allows me then to prepare better, doesn't it? Okay. So we can really hit the ground running as soon as you walk in on the session. Okay. Or oh, zoom in on that. <laughs> Give it a it's telehealth at the moment. All right. I'm going to do that. Thank yeah. you, Leah. Um, <laughs> now, can I just uh, say one more thing, though? Yeah. Can I just say one more thing as an athlete? Sure. And this has been really poignant lately, and I don't want to jump off this because it sort of connects back to some of my um, program work that I do at the moment. That The other thing as an athlete that I, I love the concept of sport and every child I encourage get, get involved, not just for the mental health and the um, physical health aspects, but for the concept of resilience. Mm -hmm. In sport, if you're playing team sport, <clears throat> excuse me, every week you have the, the chance of having to face a loss. <laughs> yes. So therefore, you're going to learn very quickly that life's about sometimes winning and sometimes losing. But when you lose, have you really lost? Because really you've learned a lesson and therefore you're going to become stronger and therefore you're going to come back next week and you're going to be an even better person. Yeah. So that's what I love about the resilience, the riding the wave concept again, the roller coaster of life, whatever term you want to have. But that's what sport provides us is that constant exposure to the chance of loss, failure, pain, adversity. That's a really good lesson in this world where at school sometimes, you know, mm. all children receive an award or a trophy or a ribbon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Leah. It's highlighted, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. 
I've been working through the last seven months to to think think about how we might positively learn from the real the massive impact of COVID, uh, mm. and it certainly stripped back our needs. You commented that life should be designed, not the default that we've fallen into, and I'm really keen to yeah. hear more of your thoughts around this. Yeah, it's a really good phrase, isn't it? Life by it design, is. not by default. Mm -hmm. And if you, yeah, if you really drill down on that more, you know, I give the idea of, you know, some people are just floating along in life like a feather and mm -hmm. they're just waiting for the wind to change direction and they're allowing the circumstances to sure. sort of pretty much just dictate where they end up or if not the circumstances, their limiting beliefs, the things that they've attached to themselves because of their history they direct you onto a certain path and it's not until something like COVID comes along and it really wakes you up and it makes you go hold on whoa what what's important to me mm. yes what do we really what do I really want because you know I thought I might have wanted this but maybe now I'm thinking I want that but the other thing is what we can control so that's been the biggest learning lesson here for most people yeah. is that yeah we haven't had a lot of control but yet like I said with my anchors I've been trying to instill that control and empowerment back into people so, yeah, that life by design instead of by default, that's what it's based on. It's like, okay, you've got to figure out what's important to you, what you want and what you can control to make it bloody well happen mm. instead of letting circumstances or your limiting beliefs, the past pain, sort of haunt you and take you off down a path that you don't want to go. Yeah, absolutely. I did a master's about, oh, gosh, well, let's just say lots of years ago. <laughs> that's not yeah. important. But one, I, I was working full time and studying part time and did it over three years. And your your comments here really resonate with me because very quickly I realised that I'd fallen into the trap of just saying yes to pretty much mm. any opportunity or invitation that came my way. And all of a sudden with classes mm -hmm. two nights a week and at least one full day on the weekend needing to be taken up with study and probably another couple of evenings with reading, all of a sudden, I didn't have much spare time at all. Mm, so yeah. that made me really sit back and sort of analyse, well, what, you know, what does give me joy? What does feed me? What do I really enjoy? And suddenly it was, it was incredibly oddly empowering to sort of, yeah. to just, you know, have have that permission or that reason to, to start declining some of the stuff that I'd just sort of fallen into doing. Yes. And it is, it's true. The word I wanted to provide you is alignment, is the way you said then when you started saying no to certain things and saying yes to the ones that were very much aligned to you, that's what it is. It's alignment. And yeah. it goes back to the clarity of purpose. When you know who you are, when you know why you were born, when you know what you want to achieve and why you want to achieve and how you achieve it, it's so much easier to make those decisions. And your, every cell of your body feels it. You feel it alive. Yeah. You, feel, you feel excited. You feel moved with things. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. It, it's interesting as well, though, because the way you said you started saying yes to yourself, because that's, that's what it was. Yeah, you had to yeah. say no to others to say yes to yourself. Yes. And that's something a lot of people really struggle with, because, again, it goes back to our history, childhood, upbringing, limiting beliefs, where maybe you're not supposed to, you're not the most important person. Mm -hmm. yep. You're supposed to take care of everyone else. That yes. You, you eat second, like that sort of concept. Mm -hmm. So it is, this is where, you know, the other thing I suppose you mentioned, you've been thinking about what we've gained from being going through COVID. Yes. My biggest thing is that I'm hoping, which I mentioned at the start, that people, whatever's been triggered in people right now, I hope 
they are using this as an opportunity to really address that then, that they don't just sit on it. That this is the, that's the message they've been given, is that you've got to deal with this mess. Mm. And in other words, what I'm trying to say is I want people to heal. People need to realise that they've got pain that's, you know, from their past. It's trapped inside their body. They haven't made sense of it in their head. Or if they have, they've only seen the negative. They've only focused on the bad concept, which, you know, that's a whole different conversation that we're the only species that actually does focus on the bad pre- pre- like predominantly, yet we need to see the good in it as well. Mm. There is in every event that happens, there is 50% good and 50% bad. And yet our brain for survival is wired to see the bad and to focus on the bad. And to, to it's, let it it's a really important and, and pretty different lens to, to put on it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and that's where one of my programs is post-traumatic growth, that's what it's called, and it's designed to help people, as you said, with the lens, is change the glasses, see it differently, see the facts, see the meaning behind it, not just the pain. But like I said, to get there, you've got to do the, the body work, you've got to do the naming, the shaming of the emotion, you've got to feel it, you've got to release it, because otherwise if you don't, your subconscious will just push back. And so even though you might want to see the gratitude and the growth and the gain from an event, if you don't actually release that, you know, trapped emotion, that trapped pain, it will never happen. Yeah. You'll never heal. But yeah. that's one of my, my my one of my legacies is to make sure we are where there's less hurt people on this earth and more healed people. So then, if you're healed, you're free, and you can go out and achieve and 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 do whatever it is you were born to do. If that's play, um, you know, state netball. If that's to be a CEO of a company. If that's to be a beautiful musician, you know, mm-hmm. whatever it is. We've got to find that and allow them to live their dreams. The American novelist Rita Mae Brown wrote that happiness is pretty simple, and we've touched on a bit of this already, but someone to love, something to do, something to look forward to. And I think that we've talked Mm. about the first two elements of this, but that, that last part, something to look forward to, I have to say personally, for me, has been in really short supply over COVID. I'm usually the world's biggest planner, you know, be it holidays, yeah. interesting things to do, good culture, certainly on the professional front as well. Yeah. As a psychologist, I'm really interested in your professional opinion. First thing I want to say then, I do, I love that phrase. And it does, it coincides with what you said. It does go back to the, the Maslow's hierarchy of needs and all that that we've covered. But yes. it's so true and it, because it, you, you used the word simple in it, didn't you? Happiness is yeah. pretty simple. And it's so yeah. true. We as human beings complicate things. We do. If you strip it back to simplicity, life is not that, we're, we're not that complicated creatures and life for happiness and fulfilment isn't that complicated either. And that's what I'm hoping as well some people are taking out of this COVID time. When we do go back to their basics, that's yeah. actually the stuff that gives me joy. Not the, you know, things that we think everyone else is getting joy from. It's what I get joy from. But it's true. The things that to look forward to, it's really important. The human brain, I don't know if I said this before, the human brain needs something to look forward to to sustain effort. So if that's a, you mentioned holiday, if that's um, a dinner with a loved one, if that's, um, you know, just having time off work. Yes. Some, you know, some sort of break. If that's a bath, you know, whatever it is, whatever makes you feel at peace, at harmony, you know, free from the constraints and the, the, the pain of life, we all need to look forward to it again. And like I said, because the human brain, for you to sustain effort, for you to keep pushing and grinding and, and going through the motions, in a sense, to get to the light at the end of the tunnel, we need to know what, you know, what you're going to be looking forward to. And that's where I've started doing that with my clients. 
started getting them to plan. Even again, we don't know exactly when certain dates, but we need to start planning, like you said, travels. We need mm. to start booking them in because that's giving us that momentum, that motivation to keep going. You know, we are intrinsically and extrinsically motivated in life and definitely something to look forward to. That's the extrinsic motivation that we yeah. all need. Yeah. Can I just say one more thing, though, to that phrase? Because besides that, and, and it's probably a nice summary then, as a psychologist looking at that, uh, hearing that phrase, my philosophy on it is there's five L's to life. To live, what? Yep. to laugh to love, to learn, and to leave a legacy. Where that phrase, even though that was a beautiful phrase mm. you know, in a narrative, yep. that's what the framework I give to anyone who comes to me. And I say to them, are you living well? Are you laughing well? Are you loving well? Are you learning well? And are you leaving your legacy? And if you're not, that's the work we're going to be doing together. <laughs> well, what a superb way to encapsulate the conversation, Leah. It's been <laughs> really interesting and a pleasure. I've taken a lot out of it. Thank you so much. Yeah. Pleasure. My, it's been amazing, Katie. I'd love to do it again. There's heaps more I'm sure we could talk about. So yeah, I hope some of the, the words of wisdom that I've offered today helps people out there to anchor themselves, even during this you know, COVID time where we're still coming out of it. But like we said, just to heal and to live their life, their, their best life and be their best self. I've been Katie Bennett-Stenton. Thanks for listening to the Katie Talks podcast. You can find me at Katie B Marketing on Twitter or Katie Bennett-Stenton on LinkedIn.